everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by worship pastor Tyler Stelmack. Awesome. Thank you, Elson. Um, yeah, like Elson said, we are starting this new series on creating, creativity, creation. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Tyler. I'm a youth pastor here at the Vineyard. Uh, hello to you guys. Thanks for coming. I know uh, the day after the new year is traditionally a sleep-in day, I think, uh, but I appreciate you all being here and doing this, doing life together. Uh, as we start this series, this series on creativity, on creation, on creating things, um, I want to share a little bit of my heart as well as a little bit of what this book says about creating. This, this is kind of the uh, dictionary on creation, isn't it? This is the story of creation. This is, this is creativity itself in this book. There are so many wonderful examples of creativity and creation in this book. And actually, creativity is founded on our creation. If you open the Bible, the very first part of the Bible, the very first book, right? Genesis, the, the, the story of creation. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. Has it ever occurred to you that the fifth word in the Bible is create? The first action word, the first verb in this book is create, created. I think that's pretty important, wouldn't you? If, if the first word was jump, we maybe would think jumping is really important. That's just an example. But, but created is the first action word. That is so amazing and profound. It is the very first thing that our creator did. It's the first thing that God did was create. He created the light and the dark. He created the sea and the land and the sky, right? And the, and the birds, the animals, the plants, the fish, and us. He created us, man, woman, mankind. We were made in the image of a creator. And creativity is one of the highest, if not the highest, in my opinion, manifestation of the divine nature. What do I mean by divine nature? Divine nature is something that, in one sense, we all have it. Being created in the image of God, we all have it. But... And there's always a but, right? In another sense, we have not yet fully come into it because we are not yet like our Heavenly Father. Divine nature is something that we have to be partakers of. It's something that we have to engage with. We are, we are given it. We all have the ability to do it. But we need to take a step and step into that. It doesn't just happen. But creativity is also fundamental to our existence, isn't it? We all need creativity to face life's daily challenges. I bet if you slowed down and took, took, took a look at your day, any given day, you would notice how many times you actually have to make tiny little decisions all throughout your day that impact the next thing or the next day or the person next to you. All of those decisions involve creativity. You're creating something when you make those decisions too. It's kind of a twofold thing. Think of your daily life. Think of Jesus' daily life. 
oh my goodness. When you read the Bible, all of the things that Jesus did, the traveling, the teaching, the healing, the praying, all of the things, imagine how creative Jesus must have had to be to evade lawmakers and and teach people who did not want to be taught and heal people who maybe didn't want to be healed, et cetera, et cetera. We can learn so much about creativity when we read this book. So we know that it's something we have, right? But, but how do we tap into it? How do we tap into true creativity? How do we release that divine nature that's within ourselves? Well, I think actually the first step, the first step, I kind of have three main points. The first step is to recognize that creativity is not a gift. It sounds maybe a little weird. Maybe that's a little counter to things that you've heard in your, in your life. But I think the first step is to recognize that creativity is not a gift. It is not a gift that some of us have and some of us do not. It is not a feeling. It is not a mood. It is not a place you can be, right? Creativity is a manifestation of the divine nature that is within you, within each of you, within me, within my six-month-old little boy. There is a creative divine nature in each and every one of us because we are made in the image of a creator. But again, we have to partake in it. It doesn't just happen. The implications of this, I think, are actually huge. I think the implications of this are huge because so often we think of person A as a creative and person B maybe as a logical person or a mathematical person, right? And while that may be true on some surface levels, the reality is creativity is something that is wired, hardwired into all of us because we're made in the image of God, the ultimate creator. And if creativity comes from a divine nature, then that means it's always available to us. We always can access this. It's just a matter of if we want to or if we can or do. And in the Bible, it's demonstrated in these three virtues that I have up here, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Now, we're going to dance around to these a little bit because these words, if you don't know, these three words are everywhere in the Bible, everywhere. And oftentimes, these three words are put together in the Bible. And I think that there's good reason for that. So let's figure it out. Each of these three virtues contributes significantly to the creative process. We see in Proverbs, uh, in Proverbs chapter three, by the way, if you've never read Proverbs, if you are looking for just a few books to read in the Bible, I would say personally, Proverbs is amazing. It is, it is like a, it is like a a guide to life. Honestly, It, it, it helps you live a good life. That's what I would say. I think Proverbs is a great book to read. But in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18, 18 through 20, it says, by wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So where are these virtues found and increased? Well, later in Proverbs, in chapter 9, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, these these definitions are from NIV. They will be loosely similar in uh, the NLT Bibles that we have in the back. Again, we see these three words together, not even five chapters later in the same book of the Bible that is all about teaching us. So 
why are these being said so many times? You might say, Tyler, uh, these have nothing to do with creativity. They have nothing to do with creativity. And actually, you're just picking verses out of the Bible, and there's no context to the story around them. And I would actually tell you, you're right. <laughs> you're right. That's to you're totally right. You're totally right. But my point is, look how many times these words, I'm not even listing them all, are said in the Bible. Now, to counter that thought that you're probably having, I want to read later. Uh, each of these virtues, these values that show up so often together, I think are all a part of the creative process. Matter of fact, these are probably the three biggest parts of the creative process. Remember, the creative process that we all have. I'm not just speaking to the artists in the room or the musicians in the room. So some people don't fall asleep. If you love math, I promise there's a point. I promise. I don't like math. That's why I say that. <laughs> I went to art school because there was no math. <laughs> Later in the Bible, in Paul's letters to the people, the church of Colossae, he says in Colossians chapter 1, the beginning of Colossians, he says, for this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continuously ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Again, these three values are showing up together in the Bible. But this time, from Paul in a letter, and, and, and the goal of these letters in the Bible, the goal of all of these letters was to help teach people, people like us, churches and people, on how to live a better life in Christ, how to do the stuff, as we say in the vineyard. He's trying to teach these people. And, and these three values keep coming up, I believe, because Paul believes, I believe Paul believes them to be essential to the process in which we learn and grow and create and, and be creative, do things. They're so important. He's trying to teach people, these churches, the ways of stewardship. And to do this, just like we see with Jesus, it takes a creative approach. Right? I think oftentimes when they were straightforward with someone, it didn't work out very well. But when they approached things lovingly and from a different angle and used these three values, there were different effects with those that they were teaching. Which leads me to my second point here. Creativity and stewardship go hand in hand. It, is only, it only has authority when it takes responsibility. What I mean by that, it actually, it kind of reminds me... Um, of like the with great power comes with great responsibility. I'm a, I'm a Spider-Man nerd, so that reminded me of that. But it only has authority when it takes responsibility. Ideas and innovations that are not acted on, this is what it means, forfeit their God-given right to shape and influence culture. Things that are not acted on forfeit that God-given right. We just talked about it, right? We all have the ability to be creative. We all can and do create. But when we don't act on those little nudges, those little things, those callings, that divine nature in us, we're forfeiting. We're forfeiting that thing that could actually greatly shape and influence. You see, I went to design school. I went to art design school um, at a New York State University. And one of the big missions of the art department, the grand mission or the grand vision of the art department was always to say that art influences. 
Art will influence. Art has influenced and it will influence. Design influences. It has deep, lasting, influential impact. If you don't know what I mean, just take a look at this book. Imagine what would happen if, if it didn't get recorded or if the, the people didn't act on those creative whims. Imagine if uh, Da Vinci didn't paint the Mona Lisa or Van Gogh didn't paint Starry Night or Michelangelo didn't paint the Sistine Chapel. What if it was just like brown? Blech. Right? Just imagine that. Imagine the, the, the amazing influence almost all of us in the room know of those paintings, right? Take it a step further into modern culture. Imagine, imagine Bill Gates didn't create Microsoft. Imagine uh, Steve Jobs didn't create the iPhone. Almost all of us have one of these in our pockets. And if you don't, you have the other version that was created by the other person. I have a cute picture of my little baby boy. I wouldn't even be able to look at that, right? Or it'd be like wildly different. Who knows? Who knows? But my point is exactly that. Who knows? These things were acted on. And if they weren't, they would have forfeited that God-given right, that authority to be creative. Ideas and innovations that are not acted on forfeit their God-given authority to shape and influence culture. All of the creativity that is within each and every one of us because of that divine nature, remember, each of us has it, is useless unless we act on it, unless we partake in it, like I said earlier. This stuff isn't just going to happen. I almost guarantee you there are a few people who, uh, in the creative sense, even in this room, painters, right? Painters in this room. Has a painting ever just like happened? Did you ever just wake up and a new painting is done? You're like, awesome. I can't believe that. No, you have, to, you have to make the time and the space. You have to partake in it. You have to engage with it, that divine nature. It doesn't happen on accident. It's like Wayne Gretzky said, if you know who Wayne Gretzky is. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Or if you're an Office fan, Michael Scott said that. For those of you that love The Office. God is all about stewardship. And creativity is not something that you wait on. It actually can't be something that you wait on. It just isn't how it works. It is something that you stir up. It's something that you partake in. It's something that maybe sometimes breaks the rules. And that could be a good thing. We all need to be better stewards, don't we? Better stewards of beauty. I would say, the more I think about this question the more it hits me like at a deep level, we all need to be better stewards of beauty. The beautiful thing about that is that we can, right? Again, returning to divine nature, it's a part of us. We all can do it. But we need to do it. <laughs> Just because we can doesn't mean that we will. What does it mean to steward? I have the dictionary definition of steward is to manage or look after and the second one is to keep order. To keep order. Would you say we've done a particularly good job at keeping order? Our bad. Since the beginning of this book, right? We were actually, that was our only job. Was to, we were tasked with keeping order, with managing the garden, right? Not us specifically, but 
mankind, man as a whole, was tasked with keeping order, with stewarding. It was probably the only verb we were told to do. And uh, you know the story. It didn't go super well. And it still hasn't gone super well. We all need to be better stewards of beauty. We've become very obsessed, I think, as a society with the idea of constantly being better or different than we actually are. What do I mean by that? I mean, gosh, for those of you that have cable or not ad-free Hulu uh, or watch YouTube, whatever, listen to the radio. Every advertisement, this is just one example, right? Every advertisement is your life will be better if you wear this, drive this, buy this, use this, have this, live with this, eat this, right? Your life will be better. You'll be happier. Things will be good for you if you do all those things. But what do we see in the Bible? Well, we see God. We see God, the creator, the Lord over all, the great I am, right? He created the entire ever-expanding universe. He created each individual beautiful galaxy and all of the amazing, completely unique planets within those galaxies. He created Earth, right? Amazing. And that doesn't even touch all the beauty on planet Earth. For those of you that have traveled, you know what I mean. Even if you've traveled just a little bit, you could be like, your breath can be taken away by the beauty that is like on our planet. And forget the entire planet. Think about the country or even the state of Pennsylvania. There are amazing and beautiful things to be seen here, even just in our neighborhood. Stunning displays of God's creation and creativity. And it's our job to steward it, isn't it? It has been since the beginning. It's our job to steward creation. And with that, steward creativity. So not just steward the things that have been made, but steward the way in which we make. It's almost like a cycle, right? <laughs> and honestly, it'd be, it'd be a wonderful thing if we could just all appreciate the thing that the person to the left of us made, right? <laughs> and like we were all in a circle and for the rest of time, we all just loved everyone. <laughs> That'd be ideal, right? But of course it's not ideal. Never works like that. Our creativity is a divine nature and our wonderful creations from God, slow down and notice them, engage with them, partake in them. I actually want to do a shout out. Now, I, I, I asked if this was okay first. I'm not just on a whim doing this, although that'd be fun. Um, I want to do a shout out to Linda Cernick. Linda Cernick is, uh, I mean, my neighbor, honestly. I think that she's the closest person to us in this, in this room, our neighbors. Whew. And Linda, if you know Linda, she loves beautiful things. She takes time to slow down and appreciate and partake in the tiniest little detail. She, she actually shares them on social media, right? She goes for walks, which is how she spend time, spends time hearing God's voice. She takes photos of these tiny little flowers and like the tiniest little bug on the flower. And it's like the perfect slowdown as you're scrolling through social media to be like, oh, wow, you know, it's beautiful. She is creating and she is also partaking in creation. It's, it's wonderful. If you don't know Linda, talk to her. She's all about it. She loves it. And, and it's refreshing and inspiring. To know Jesus is to see and acknowledge the beauty in the Father's creation. 
It's partaking in it. It's sharing it with others. It's being a part of creating just like he did. So let slowing down and partaking in beauty be the inspiration that you need, that we need, that I need to act on our creative divine nature. The same nature that if we don't act on it, remember, we forfeit it. Think of all the wonderful things that we'll be forfeiting if we don't take time to slow down and act on them. We don't want that. It kills me sometimes to think about the things that like, we could do, but we just don't act on it. Which leads me to my third point. This is actually probably the most obvious point. You are created, you are creative rather, because you are made in the image of a creator. This is back to Genesis, right? This is back to the very beginning. We are creative because we are made in the image of a creator. We are designed to be just like him. Creativity is not limited to the arts or artisans. Now, I know artists in the room, musicians in the room, writers in the room, I don't know if that like stings you. <laughs> don't, don't let it. Like it is actually, a, it's, if anything, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Because now think of exponentially how much more creation can happen and we can engage with and see. God is a genius on every subject and every subject is under the influence of his and our creativity. It's wired into us. Being like him, being in the image of him, it is wired into us. And there is an open invitation we see in the Bible to join in it. We just need to take the step forward. It's not just being a creative person. It's not a specific mindset that makes you better or more qualified than someone else. It's not those things. Please do not disqualify yourself. So far too often I hear or witness people say, or even I do it, maybe we all are a little guilty of this, we disqualify ourselves because we don't think we're as good as the person that we saw on Pinterest, right, or whatever. Like, we've all tried to make that cake, and it looked, like, so bad, right? <laughs> we've all done it. It's okay. Share the photo. We, it's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> You still did it. You partook in it, right? It's important. It's not just a mindset that makes you better or more qualified. It is not a good idea. It is not a good piece of art. It is not a perfectly written song or story. We already have wonderful examples of all of those things in here, don't we? I don't know if you know, but this book isn't just a story. There's songs. There's beautiful songs. It's having faith and confidence in our creator who made us to be creators, who made us to be stewards, who made us to partake. Have that confidence. Look at God. I mean, the same way that we can sit in awe of God in creation, that is, that is, that is a part of us, that lives within us. Allow yourself to be confident in that. And it's knowing a huge part of this is knowing that God doesn't make mistakes. God does not make mistakes. I want to read a part of a book. Now, this is taking a page out of uh, our, one of our lead pastor's books. In uh, I had a kid, and so now I'm going to read a kid's book. <laughs> if you were here when Amos and Allison had their daughter, Isla, he was all about kid's books and would love and would read them up here, parts of them, because... I'm telling you, they just hit you different when you have a child. 
like uh, my kid, I'm reading these stories and like, I'm like tearing up and he's like asleep, right? He doesn't even know what's going on. (laughs) My sultry voice has put him to sleep long before the ending. But I'm at the end like, It's amazing. It's amazing. And I want to jump into this book, just the end of this book. This book's called You Are Special. I don't know if any of you guys know this book. Chances are a lot of you know this book. I didn't know this book. Yeah, I guess some thumbs up. I didn't know this book at all. I had no idea about this book. Now, my wife was read this book when she was a child. As a matter of fact, there is a little signature, a little Courtney Bobbitt in really bad handwriting in 1999. Oh, now you can age date us. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. No, and she loved this book, loved it. And so I want to jump into it. Now, to give you a little bit of a synopsis up until the point we're reading, this book is all about a town full of wooden people. They're called Wemmicks. It's, (laughs) bear with me. (laughs) When I first heard it, I was like, this is crazy. But it's actually amazing. They're called Wemmicks. And all day, every day, all they do is stick stickers on each other. There are two types of stickers. There are gray dots. And there are yellow stars. Who doesn't love a yellow star? Now, people who were talented, who could jump high and sing and dance and were very attractive, got yellow stars. People would run up to them and give them a yellow star. Those who maybe were unattractive or had like damage to them, remember they're wooden, um, or maybe they had no particular skills or they embarrassed themselves, right? They would get gray dots. And literally all day, every day, like the purpose of these Wemmicks was to go around and give stickers to each other. And sometimes people with yellow stars, a ton of them would just get more just for having a bunch of yellow stars and vice versa. People who had the Wemmicks who had a lot of gray dots on them, people would just run up and give them a gray dot for no reason because they had a ton. Well, the the main character of this book is Punchinello. And Punchinello doesn't love this. This is not cool to him. (laughs) He has a lot of gray dots. He is particularly embarrassed and is frustrated by it. And one day he sees another Wemmick. Her name is Lucia. She has zero stickers. Zero. Whoa. (laughs) Zero stickers. She's flawless, right? But not, not flawless like totally beautiful. No stickers flawless. And he asks her, how did you, how do you have no stickers? And he actually witnessed in the book, someone goes up and gives her a star for not having any dots, and it falls off of her. And then someone comes up and gives her a dot for not having any, <laughs> any stars, and it also falls off of her. And he says, how do you not have any stickers? She says, well, it's easy. I go to the woodmaker's shop every day at the top of the hill, and I talk to him. And, uh, and he's like, what? No, crazy. And, and so he goes to bed, right? He goes home, uh, and he go, tries to ask her a question. She actually skips away <laughs> before she answers, which is rude. But he, he goes home and tries to go to sleep, and he cannot. He's looking out his window and seeing the Wemmicks are still scurrying around in the dead of night, giving each other stickers and stars. And so he says, I've had enough of this. I'm going to the woodmaker's shop. He goes up the hill to the shop, and uh, that's where we're going to jump in. I think we're going to have some, I took some photos so you guys can see the illustration. It's actually a great illustration. Um, and I'm going to read part of this book because I think it's actually really beautiful and profound. All right. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tippy toes to see the top of the workbench and a hammer was as long as his arm. 
Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here. And he turned to leave. But just then he heard his name. Punchinello? The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come and let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name, the little Wemmick said. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm, he spoke thoughtfully. It looks like you have been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I tried really hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Wemmicks, just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think, and I think that you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Me? Special? Why? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on the small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly. Because you are mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker, and did not know what to say. Every day I'd been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who has no marks, said Punchinello. I know. She told me all about you. Well, why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke very softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what others think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand, he says. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come and see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out the door, you are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did... A dot fell to the ground. That story is like so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And honestly, it didn't even take, it took me like a few times reading it to be like, oh, you spend time with God. Like, like it actually it didn't click to me. I was so focused on bedtime and the routines. And, but, but oh my gosh, like a beautiful, profound moment. And, and, and reading that book, especially as a parent, although I, you all could read it and probably feel the same thing, it felt like I was being spoken to. You are special because I don't make mistakes. Oh, like, just weeping, right? Like, it's beautiful. God does not make mistakes. And we know this to be true, right? In Genesis, back at the beginning, again, when he made all of the things, each day when he made new parts of creation, what did he say? And it is good. And it was good. And we know, if you've read the Bible, that things cannot be good. We've seen examples of things not being good. So we know that that's a possibility. So it is significant when God says, I made man and it is good. I made woman for man. It is good. We can trust 
the fact that we are made in his image and fully capable, not just because of a child's book, but because in the Bible it says it. We can have confidence and trust that in the creator, we are creative. In him, we are not mistakes. We don't make, you know, he does not make mistakes. And at the end of the day, you are created. We, me, are created because someone else was creative. Talk about forfeiting that God-given right. Imagine, I mentioned if uh, painters didn't make their paintings. Imagine if God just didn't make us. (laughs) We can't imagine it, right? It's crazy. We are created because someone else was creative. And to wrap, God is not done creating. The book, right, the story doesn't end here. We know, we know that. We have so many years of history and learning and growing and creation that has happened since this book. It is not something he did just some odd thousand years ago, but something that God actually continues to do. Again, another emotional thing for me, like my son in the back is six months old. Like God made my son. I can't even, I can't even imagine now a life without him. So beautiful. God creates all day, every day, everywhere. Are you taking time and space to see it, to slow down? and to partake in it. It is one thing to stop and to look and acknowledge and smell the flowers, but to really stop and at a soul level, slow yourself down and recognize the creator in that flower, in that (laughs) rabbit, whatever it might be, whatever it is that you see in creation, taking time to partake in it. we can, in confidence, delight in the ways that he created us. Truly, in confidence, we can. I want to invite the worship team back up. We're going to enter back into a space of worship, of singing. And I want to encourage each of you, um, as we re-enter back into this space, to try and focus in on that thought that at the very simplest form, we can delight in the ways that he has created us. That God does not make mistakes and God made us. So why are we always thinking that we're mistakes? It's only a two-step process. So why don't we stand? Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, would you be with us here as we sing to you, as we sing your wonderful song? God, would you help us to slow down and partake and steward your wonderful creation? And I ask God that you would allow each and every one of us to be inspired by your beautiful creation to then go forth and create. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the gifts, for the divine nature of creativity. And I pray for a blessing of it over everyone here in our own unique ways. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
see you next time.